What's up, kid folk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we got to talk about the pressing questions in the Big 12 as we head into spring practice. If it sounds like I'm talking about spring practice, it's because spring practice is on and popping. And knowing that spring practice is on and popping, we also get to talk about my favorite newcomers to the Big 12 Conference for spring practice. So I'm going to give you some names that you may have heard of or might not have heard of, but dudes, I'm genuinely fired up to go see. As a matter of fact, this would be me trying to sell you on a ticket to your team's spring game if you were looking for a nudge. So let's get started with my team. And the first pressing question for me in the Big 12 as it relates to spring practice is, is Oklahoma going to lead the country in attendance for a spring game for a second consecutive year? Yeah, I'm fired up. I'm fired up. I'm fired up because... Oklahoma showed out in 2022. It's not just that they showed out for Brent Venables, who was getting his first opportunity to be a head coach at any level. It's that it was more about, hey, we are still in this. The pro team in the state of Oklahoma is still the Sooners. I know we got the Thunder and everybody's happy when they do well, but let's not get it twisted. We've been playing college football since the 19th century. Everybody knows what it is. And we got to show what that is. When you get 73,000 people to a football game, uh, excuse me, to a practice in April, yeah, you're serious about the football. And you know what? We were excited. We were very excited. Turned out we were a little ahead of our skis on that one. I'm using that metaphor because I know what it means because it means you're going to trip over and fall, not because I'm going to ski. Look at me. I'm not a skier. But you get the point here, right? Oklahoma is expected to contend for the Big 12 championship in 2022. Didn't do that. Finished six and seven. Now, why am I bullish on Oklahoma in 2023? Well, Brent Venables going into year two has made some changes, right? Also, get a little bit more stability. But more than that, you got some dudes that I want you to know about, all right? But before I get to the dudes, I do need to, once again, remind everybody, it's not just that Oklahoma had the best attended spring game in all of college football last year at 73, excuse me, 75,360 folks. It's that the defending national champions that year and this year, Georgia Bulldogs, had just 68,000. It's not as if that's a small number, but you get my point here. 68,000 people attend their spring game. 60,000 people attended Ohio State's spring game. And because I'm surrounded by USC folks working on the show, 33,427 people attended USC's spring game, to which they would like to tell me and remind me often, hey, RJ, it's sunny. Hey, RJ, we have stuff to do. Hey, RJ, we pay $7 for gas when you pay $273. Yeah, all right. Some of us are real serious about our football year-round and not just when the football team is good. Now, I've said my piece on that. We will move on to it to some players that I really think that you ought to be looking forward to seeing at Oklahoma, a couple of these are going to be playing in spring football. Some of these are not, but we're just going to go through there because I believe that these transfers that Oklahoma has coming in deserve your attention. Now, Emeka Megwa is a running back, transfers in from Washington. I don't expect to see a bunch of him. I think even Brent Venable said as they started spring practice on Monday, he's not expecting to get a whole lot out of him. But having Megwa on that running back depth chart 
is going to help tremendously with Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk doing what they do in that backfield behind Dylan Gabriel. You also get Michigan wide receiver, Andrell Anthony transferring in. Yes, that dude who could take the top off the defense at Michigan. And frankly, very excited to see what he can do with Marvin Mims going to the NFL draft. Marvin Mims, who was outstanding in his career at Oklahoma. I believe Andrew Anthony has the goods to be a dominant number one wide receiver and, frankly, punt returner, kick returner type, right? Also, Oklahoma going back to good. South Carolina tight end, Austin Stogner, who was once Oklahoma tight end, Austin Stogner, is now, once again, Oklahoma tight end, Austin Stogner. Now, when it was working with he and Spencer Rattler in Norman, it was working really well. You can do a whole hell of a lot worse than having a six foot six, 240 pound dude that can catch passes over anybody to throw passes to if you're Dylan Gabriel. It's going to help quite a bit as you're asking for a lot out of guys like Drake Stoops going into 2023. Also, you get real stability on the offensive line. Now, that was a point of contention. And frankly, I'm worried about it going into spring football with Anton Harrison going into the NFL draft. Chris Murray is also gone. You need a guy like tackle Walter Rouse, who's transferring in from Stanford, who's played, my goodness, 39 games of football and over 2,500 snaps. If he's a left tackle or right tackle, that's good news, right? I'm really interested to see, by the way, what Nate Anderson might be able to do at that center position when he first signed with Oklahoma. He's one of the more athletic types that Bill Biedenboe has signed since he became the offensive line coach at Oklahoma nearly a decade ago. Another guy to watch for, my man, Tyler Wojak, our senior producer, our lead producer on this show here, he's familiar with Jacob Lacey, okay? Defensive tackle coming from Notre Dame. I expect him to contend for reps. By the way, we're going to talk a bunch about the defensive line at Oklahoma for the spring and, frankly, into the fall because we didn't see what we needed to see out of Todd Bates' unit last year. Now, I understand everybody's getting used to stuff, but they were getting blown up off the ball, okay? And I, I love having guys that can come off the edge, but we got to have some beef in the middle if we're going to contend in this conference, all right? Jacob Lacey is going to help with not just the depth there, but also push those guys to get better in the middle. Wake Forest edge, Rondell Bothroyd, I think could be a star in the Big 12. If you looked at what his film was like and what his stats were like at Wake Forest, you'd be like, that guy could have gone in the NFL draft. He has not. He's going to be joined by a bunch of dudes that I think can play, right? Another Transfer at that position. Indiana defensive end, Desan McCullough. Yeah, he can go. He can get after it. You're going to join guys like Ethan Downs, who is a leader on that defense. Guys like Reggie Grimes, who's leader on that defense, and have a real opportunity to make a dent there. I'm very excited to see those guys and what they look like going into this, well, 15 practices that are going to last somehow for a month, quite literally. Like, I've always kind of been interested as to how people schedule out their spring practices and when they decide to do them, because it really is just 15 practices, but they try to like make it last all semester, or they just try to all get it in kind of like Michigan, which is again, wild. All right. So the next pressing question that I have in the big 12 revolves around the national championship runner up Texas Christian horn frogs. That is not a sentence that I ever expected to utter in my life. But there it is. TCU, Texas Christian, is the national runner-up going into the 2023 season. Now, they came out of nowhere. And I wouldn't make the argument that nobody has come out of nowhere the way that Texas Christian came out of nowhere in 2022. 
five and seven after a legendary head coach and Gary Patterson steps down. Sonny Dykes takes the job and hits the ground running with the backup quarterback after the starter got hurt early in the season. Now, many of the guys that you just became household names, right, to you are gone. Max Duggan, NFL. We're talking about Kendra Miller, also NFL. Amari DiMarcato, NFL. Quentin Johnston, NFL. Garrett Riley, Clemson. So those are all just offensive guys that they lose, not just playmakers, but also the guy that was calling the plays that they could make. Okay, so that means that Sonny Dykes has had to retool once again, just as he did in 2022, for this 2023 season. But if you are the glass half full kind of Texas Christian fan, and I don't know why you wouldn't be at this point, the best quarterback on campus was on the bench all last year, Chandler Morris. He won the starting job going into the 2022 season, and I have no reason to believe that he ain't going to be the guy going into 2023. It's about how quickly he picks up Kendall Bryles' offense, who's come in from Arkansas to replace Garrett Riley, and what kind of relationship he can continue to build, because remember, he was a starter, with guys like Savion Williams. But also, they got really, really good in the portal. Like last year, they used the portal to basically sure up what they thought they were going to need or have, and then turn wins into a national title run, quite literally, right? Now, you've got dudes that saw Texas Christian get into the playoff, beat the hell out of Michigan, and then, frankly, get the hell beat out of them in a national championship game. But playing a national championship game, that decided, you know what? I think I can go play at Texas Christian. And they are guys you know. I mentioned, yes, Chandler Morris and Savion Williams, who are already there, who are going to be joined by Alabama transfer, JoJo Earl, Alabama transfer, Trey Sanders, Alabama transfer, Tommy Brockermeyer. And that's before I start talking about guys like Jared Wiley transferring in from Texas, Jordan Hudson transferring in from like Missouri, so forth, so on. It's it's going to be fun, I think, to watch Texas Christians spring game because they're a bunch of guys that if you are following recruiting and if you listen to this show, watch this show, you do, that you would like to see in that purple and black and see what's really good. Also going into year two of Joe Gillespie and that 335. I'm excited for them, man, because now they know what they're doing. They know what they're capable of, and they can get themselves in position to try to go and get back to the Big 12 championship game. Because remember, they managed to be the national runner-up without winning the Big 12 championship. Again, I never thought that that would happen in my lifetime. That's really kind of wild, kind of cool. The next pressing question I have for the Big 12 revolves around the Big 12 champion. Third question. That's how lopsided and or, well, not even lopsided, just through the middle, just chunky, the Big 12 is. Just chunky, just thick. You know, you just like looking at it, and you want to take it all in. That's where we are with Kansas State. Starting with, what can Will Howard do going into a full spring, and frankly, a full season, knowing he's the guy? Speaking of thick, six foot five, 243. That's Will Howard. I don't feel like outside of Manhattan, we say that enough. Because if I told you six foot five, 243, I'm also talking about a dude that's bigger than a dude that is being mentioned as a first-round pick in the NFL draft in Anthony Richardson. And frankly, if you want to, close your eyes, do what you got to do, you know, with hues and values and uh, tones, you can see how Will Howard can be Anthony Richardson, or better yet, better than Anthony Richardson. Because I believe he threw 14 touchdown passes to five INTs no, excuse me, 15 touchdown passes to four INTs 
in 2022, coming off the bench, all right? And there were games when he looked like he absolutely could sling it. Now, the deuce is loose, okay? There ain't no deuce Vaughn back there. Mighty Mouse is gone. The short king of short kings in 2022 is gone, but they're adding dudes, right? Treshawn Ward's transferring in from Florida State. That dude was averaging 6.6 yards per carry for the Knowles. Won nine games and beat my Sooners. Uh, that was that was not that was not pretty. I did not enjoy that. That was I like beating Florida State. I just I just do. I like beating Florida State. I don't like losing to Florida State in something called the Cheese Bowl. That 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 ain't that ain't that ain't what I signed up for. That ain't what old Oklahoma fan signed up for. But they also get a couple of other guys. And like DJ Giddens, who was averaging 5.8 yards per carry when he got the opportunity to run the football. They're probably going to play the same style of Kansas State football that they've been playing, you know, since Snyder got there, which is we're not going to beat ourselves. We're going to pound the rock. We're going to make use of the quarterback in the run game. And frankly, if you're Colin Klein and you're looking at my man's Will Howard, you got to be looking at the mirror kind of. I mean, seriously, take it back to 2012. You know, do some Optimus Klein stuff with Will Howard. Two, six, four. 65243. All I'm saying is QB power is on the menu. QB counter is on the menu, especially knowing that you ain't got deuce to carry the load for you. Like, I don't know if there's another All-American over there at Kansas State, but again, that is a reason to get to the spring game, right? You want to see, is Trayshawn Ward that good? Is Will Howard going to take the leap that we think he can? I mean, we're talking about a dude that could contend for Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. Hello. Now, I want to stick in the Sunflower State. For just a second here, and I and I, I'm jumping ahead of a discussion here because I had Texas on the rundown, and I'm sure direct Kyle and producer Tyler keeping up here. But look here, I want to talk about Kansas because Kansas has been very, very high on your boys' list of priorities since Lance Leipold took the gig. All right, so take it back a couple years. May 2021, Lance Leipold gets the job at Kansas. And who is yelling about it from the rooftops? The same way he's yelling about Deion Sanders in Colorado. Hello. But me. Okay. First in, last out on Kansas. Really love the hire because that man has built programs everywhere he's been. And now we had an opportunity to do it right before my eyes, right before your eyes. 2021, you could see them flash it, right? What they did against Texas at Texas. 2022, they built on that with the same dude that showed out in that Texas game and Jalen Daniels. Again, the only time I was kind of iffy on anything Kansas-related was when my producer needed to talk to me about, yo, RJ, you really need to start talking about Jalen Daniels for Heisman. Wow. Again, 2022, be buck wild, y'all, right? Just buck wild in the streets, letting y'all know. What time it really is, because Kansas also went bowling for the first time since 2008 and 2022, finished six and seven, same record that Oklahoma finished with. But try telling people that wasn't a dream season for Kansas. Like there's levels to this. So Jalen Daniels is going to come back. And I believe that. Look, look at this man moving around. If you watch it on the YouTubes of the Fox Sports, when you got that kind of a quarterback, when you got that kind of elusivity. All you got to do is teach that dude the offense. And frankly, Andy Kotelnik, he has said that's what it's about in 2023 spring for him. So I don't expect to see a whole bunch of Jalen Daniels running around, especially since he was hurt for some of the 2022 season. Still came up in the Liberty Bowl, put 500 yards of offense up, and like five TDs against Arkansas in a game that Arkansas was 
thankful to win. My God, what a game that was. That Liberty Bowl was awesome. But he also get Devin Neal back there, who I would argue was their best offensive player in 2022 because he stayed healthy, right? We're talking about a dude that honestly put up 200 yards rushing on 32, 224 yards rushing on 32 carries against a number ranked, number 18 ranked Oklahoma State. Then busted Texas Tech to the white meat for 190 yards rushing on 24 carries in the very next week. When they brought Jalen Daniels and they brought Devin Neal and they brought Earl Bostick to media days of 2022, you could kind of tell Kansas feeling themselves, all right? Like there's a number of programs, well, every program will be able to communicate how they feel their prospects are going to go for the upcoming season based on who they bring to media days, right? They brought the star running back, the star quarterback. They brought safety Kenny Logan. Like they wanted everybody to know that they were chasing something historic, I say historic, for them in 2022, and that ended up being a bowl win. Really love that for them. I'm also really interested to see in spring game what Lawrence Arnold looks like, right? This is a dude that had 44 catches for 716 yards last year. I think you're going to need those weapons on the outside, those guys that can stand up on the numbers and go get it if you're going to go beat up on not just West Virginia or get by Iowa State, but you can go at Oklahoma's neck. You can go at Texas's neck again. You can go at these new opponents you're going to see, Central Florida, BYU, Houston, and expect to win. Really excited for Kansas football and what they're going to look like in this spring game, let alone what 2023 is for them. Okay, getting back on the schedule. Let's, 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 let's talk about Texas. Let's do it. Let's talk about Texas. Question I got here is, is Texas a Quinn Ewers away from a college football playoff, you know, contention, semifinal? national championship run? I mean, Texas Christian can do it. Why can't you? Whoo, boy. I can already, I can feel UT fans breaking out in hives because Texas Christian made a national championship game in the CFP era before they did. Oh, boy. But when Quinn Ewers was on, basically before he got hurt, he was good. 9 of 12 for 134 yards against Alabama on the 40 acres. And they damn near won that game. Matter of fact, if the kicker doesn't pull it wide left, they do beat Alabama before Tennessee could beat Alabama. And we're talking about Texas in a whole different sort of way. You don't feel as if you've got your back against the wall the way that they must feel now because B. John Robinson is gone. Now, you got dudes, but Texas has always had dudes. It's about do you have the dude? And can Quinn Ewers be the dude? I know a lot of folks are going to continue to talk about Arch Manning competing with Quinn Ewers for the job. But I ain't no Mark. I've been following college football for a long time like you have too. When you got a number one prospect, a consensus 1.000 rated prospect at quarterback who's got a year in your system, yeah, you're going to give that dude every opportunity in the world to try to go win football games. And, you know, frankly, they need this out of Quinn Ewers because I believe his best game of the season was Alabama. But a close second. Gotta be the way that he stopped a mud hole in and walked drive my Oklahoma Sooners. 49 nothing. 49 nothing. He had 289 yards passing in that game, like four TDs. I ain't forgot. I'm sure Texas fans ain't forgot because while they talking about while RG's over here talking about Texas Christian, remember we got all up in Oklahoma last year. Yeah, man. I understand. I get it. I get it. All right. So going from Texas. I want to talk about one of the teams that I think 
I'm most excited to see play football, not just in the Big 12, but on the national landscape this year in the University of Houston. And I'm going to get at this by talking about what Houston is, what Houston was, and why I think they have one of the coolest games on the schedule for anybody all year. So the question that I have is, is Houston going to look good enough this spring to beat Texas? Because that's what it's got to be about 2023 if you're a Houston. You're moving up in competition. You're going into the Big 12. You got a Dana Holgerson who is coming off of what I think is, you know, a middling year. But frankly, they've been good. They won 20 games over the last two years. But Houston ranked 112th in scoring defense last year. They lose Clayton Thune, Thune, uh, Thune, excuse me. They lose Tank Dell. They lose their offense coordinator, Shane Dawson, to Miami. And you've got Dana Holgerson under-promising and I think hoping to over-deliver. But I would add here, Michael Harrison Pilot is an example of a dude that I think you should go try to see at Houston, right? This is a man that was basically one of the best athletes in the country in the 2023 class. He was going to play safety at some other places that he had offers, ends up being convinced that, A, you can play wide receiver. You want to at Houston. And B, we're going up to the Big 12. And C, your parents are legacies. His daddy played linebacker at Houston in 08. Wow. His mama was a cheerleader at Houston. What I'm saying is, it's breaking all the ways for Michael Harrison Pilot. Now, I got to get back to Houston and Dana Hogerson here for just a second because I think this is funny. I mentioned they won 20 games over the last two years. They won 11 in a row in 12 in 2021, okay? But Hogerson was, let's say, heated and needed to talk about the temperature underneath his buttocks as it goes into the 2023 season. I love this quote that he gave to The Athletic. We won 20 games in two years. We won bowl games in back-to-back years. I have five years on my contract with an effing impossible buyout. There ain't no effing hot seat in my mind. There just ain't. And if you can imagine Dana Hogerson saying all of that to the tune of maybe six Red Bulls, yeah, that's just money. That's money, right? And Dana has always been the dude that is going to tell you what it is, how it needs to get down, and how he wants to go get it. Got some of my favorite quotes in all of college football. West Virginia, he's a head coach. He's got Will Greer over there. They're going at Texas. He says, y'all want to go win the damn game? Let's go win the damn game. Because he's going for the win, right? It said about Will Greer. This man is a pro. He just plays the college game. And my favorite, Brandon Whedon at Oklahoma State, looking around saying, I can't see past this coverage. I can't see past this defense. Dana, what do I do? At the time, they had Justin Blackman. And what does Dana Hogerson tell his quarterback as an offensive coordinator? If I do, I just throw it up to Blackman and walks off. I love that. Can't wait to see that man coaching in the Big 12. And frankly, they got a balanced breakfast for a schedule, y'all. Like We're talking about conference champion, UTSA, Texas Christian, national title runner-up, Cincinnati, who was playing in the playoff just two years ago. Baylor, who won the Big 12 championship just two years ago. Central Florida, who is basically the reason that we have been forced to talk about expanding the playoff. Kansas State, Big 12 champions, and Texas, okay? So they got games against two defending conference champions and six teams that have played in a conference title in the last two years and Texas. Now, you keep hearing me say, and Texas, because... That's what this season is about for me in Houston. Okay, let me unpack this for y'all because I've mentioned to you 
that the University of Texas tends to try to look down their nose at the University of Houston. You would think that's a natural rival. Y'all should play them every single year, but they don't. I'm going to tell you as to why. But first, let me remind you, Texas has not played Houston since 2002 when they had scheduled a three-game series, 2000, 2001, 2002, and not again. And over the course of their school histories, since they started playing each other in 1953, Texas has only played Houston out of conference five times. Okay, all those other times, Southwest Conference, but I'm going to get to that here in a second. This also stems from Daryl Royal's days at the University of Texas. Back when, you know, boosters at UT are a lot like boosters at UT now. They have their nose and hands in everything, and there's a certain way that they want to do business. And the way I'm going to get at this is Texas is the last all-white team to win a national championship in college football in 1969. You might imagine that in 1968, the only thing black about Texas' football team was their cleats, and you would be right. They even dressed up a black ball player as a walk-on that didn't make varsity so that they didn't have to, they thought, think about whether or not we cared about whether or not they had black guys on their football team. Now, they've had opportunities, right? Elmo Wright coming out of Sweeney, Texas, outstanding black high school player, wanted to go play at the University of Texas in 1966. Daryl Royal refused to sign him, and he ends up at the University of Houston playing in a game against the University of Texas in 1968. So September 21st, 1968, Houston is ranked number 11 in the country. Texas is ranked number one. Houston has decided they want to come to Austin and they want to come to win. In the fourth quarter, it's tied 20 up. There's a fourth and inches. Houston tries to go get it. They think they got it. Texas says they don't. Referees agree with Texas. Game ends in a tie. So a game that Texas was supposed to really beat the hell out of Houston and establish once and for all. They are the state of Texas football team. All they could muster was, well, at least we didn't lose the game. Okay. After that game, Daryl Royal has had to talk about, or I should say had to talk about whether or not he would play Houston again on many, many different reasons as to why, right? One of them being racial. So, Harper's Magazine seems James Toback down there to write a story about the University of Texas football in 1970. And I kid you not, the question that he asked at the time is, why is UT lagging? As in, why isn't Texas back? We've been asking, why isn't Texas back for the better part of 60 years, y'all? Okay, all right, all right. So that's number one. Number two is, when Toback asked, players, and students on campus, he said, have you ever asked Daryl why he won't play Houston? It's because, and here's a quote in the Harper's Magazine piece, he believes he's going to get his ass whipped. Okay. Royal answered this and said, that's not true. You know, he used some expletives to explain it. He also went on about what it's like to be in the climate at the University of Texas, be the head coach, be expected to win national championships. But what didn't happen was Daryl Royal scheduling the University of Houston for the rest of his time. University of Houston was admitted to the Southwest Conference in 1976. You college football scholars will know Daryl K. Royal retired as head coach at the University of Texas in 1976. We got Southwest Conference years. We got 2000, 2002, and when we got nothing, nada, zip. 
And if you're looking at the culture at the University of Houston and you're looking at the culture at the University of Texas, it's oil and water, folks. It's Andre Ware winning the Heisman Trophy without playing a single game on national television in 1989. And it's Vince Young when we feel good about Texas, right? Right? It's David Ash when we don't. You know what I'm saying? All right. So I am very excited to see Texas is being forced to travel to the University of Houston to play Houston in their last year in the Big 12 because, well, the Big 12 has made it very clear. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, Oklahoma and Texas. They're going to try to murder y'all on the way out with these schedules. So I, being an Oklahoma fan and also me having written books about, well, racial progress and diversity, am very interested to see what the University of Houston can muster against the University of Texas when they've got a guy that's won a national championship as an offensive quarterback, uh, coordinator and quarterback coach, the best recruits in the country at quarterback, literally, and are adding some dudes on defense. But my goodness, if Donovan Smith, Dana Hogerson, and them dudes are able to go and get a W against the University of Texas, I am going to flock to these Texas message boards to see what these men with pseudonyms will say. And I'm going to eat every last crumb of it. Okay, those are my pressing questions for spring in 2023 as it relates to the Big 12. Let's talk about some players to watch, newcomers to watch in the Big 12 as we get spring practices off and rolling this week in earnest. I'm going to start at number five here, work my way down. For this list, it's pretty cut and dry, transfers and freshmen, okay? That's pretty easy. So at number five, I've got offensive tackle Logan Brown, who is transferring to Kansas from Wisconsin. If that name sounds familiar, it's because it should. Six foot six, 313 pounds, a plug-and-play replacement for tackle Earl Bostic, who I had the good fortune of sitting down with last year, a dude that had lived through several head coaches at Kansas, found a couple of guys in Travis Fuchs and Lance Leipold that cared about him as a person, and turned out to be one of the better offensive players, let alone offensive linemen, in football last year. They're going to miss him. What do they add? A five-star prospect in 2019 and a redshirt junior transferring in from a place where they just make offensive linemen for the NFL in one Logan Brown. At one point, number 17 player in the country, number four player uh, tackle in the country. I'm excited to see how he fits into what Lance Leipold and the Jayhawks are building. Number four on the list for me, quarterback. J.J. Cole, right? An Iowa native who is staying home to play quarterback at Iowa State. And it's about measurables, and it's also about potential. He is six foot seven, 230 pounds, an Under Armour All-American, the number 12 quarterback in the composite for the 2023 class. And for me, this is really about pushing Hunter Deckers, okay? As good as Iowa State's offense, uh, excuse me, Iowa State's defense was last year, top 20 scoring defense, they had a scoring offense that ranked 114th in the country. A lot of that's because Deckers is throwing INTs. Now, Deckers was throwing INTs 14, third most in all the FBS, because I, like you, watched them play and saw, oh, so the passing part of the playbook just says, throw it up to Xavier Hutchinson, because that dude had over 100 passes caught. But the defense probably saw that that was the playbook for the passing attack, too, and said, we're going to just try to take that dude away because they were not able to run the football effectively. That's what losing a guy like Brees Hall can do. 
You go from a unanimous All-American tailback in Brees Hall to 3.3 yards per carry. You got to get that sorted too. But if you got a guy like J.J. Cole that can at least put a little bit of pressure on Deckers to take better care of the football, you're coming out winning. This is really a bet on Matt Campbell, who I need to remind people produced Brock Purdy, and it wasn't, it wasn't a shock to any of us watching Big 12 football. I watched Brock Purdy damn near beat Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma in Norman. I watched Brock Purdy win a Fiesta Bowl against Mario Cristobal and Oregon. What I'm saying is Matt Campbell has been able to find ways to make great players out of players that we might not have given a second thought to. But he's going to have to do that with a new offense coordinator, new offensive line coach, new passing game coordinator. But it's not anything that he hadn't already done. After all, he took over Iowa State and turned it into a winner. Okay. Number three on this list. Now we get nasty. Linebacker Anthony Hill, a true freshman at Texas. I sent producer Tyler some footage of my man uphill. And I'm calling him uphill because it's going to be like that if you try to play against him both ways in the snow. It's all day with this dude. Six foot two, 225 pounds. Absolutely a sideline to sideline linebacker and will hit you so that you don't want to get back up. Okay, at Denton Ryan, they had this dude running wildcat and in short yardage pace, and he was seeking contact. And he can run by him. Imagine Kenneth Murray Jr. without having to teach him a damn thing. Remember, it took Kenneth Murray a little bit of time to learn how to play inside linebacker, and then they forced him to will, and that became the thing. With Hill, I expect him to compete right away for a starting job next to All-American Jalen Ford on that Texas defense. Very, very excited to see Anthony Hill play football and really excited I'm going to be able to watch him up close because many people thought he was going to end up at A&M. So when Steve Sarkeesian was able to flip him to the University of Texas, I think that Big 12 fans got a gift on the way out. Really outstanding player. Can't wait to see what he looks like in that defense. Number two on the list, going to go to Texas Christian. Running back, Trey Sanders. Now, I have loved Trey Sanders since he was at IMG Academy. But that means you had to sit on your Trey Sanders stock for quite some time. Okay, When he left IMG Academy, that dude wearing number six for Tuscaloosa was the number one tailback in the country and number six player in the 2019 class. Okay, You're joining Alabama, which means it's dudes on dudes on dudes. And I think he is the best example of just how they are layered over that Alabama. Okay, So he suffered a season-ending injury in 2019, I believe in August, just before the season started. So he had to sit out that year. 2020, he got injured pretty early in the season too. So he's played just 13 games through all of 2021. Excuse me, played 2020, played 13 games in 2021, and then 23 total. Okay? We're going into really what is a prove-it year for him. Now, on top of all that, you're playing behind Najee Harris. You're playing behind Brian Robinson Jr. And then... You fall not just behind Jameer Gibbs, but Jace McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, and Jamarion Miller, all guys that had more carries and more yards than he did at tailback in 2022 after Trey Sanders was basically the heir apparent in 2019, looked like the heir apparent in 2021, and then it all went to nothing, right? He has since transferred to Texas Christian where they have a need at tailback. And quietly, Texas Christian has had Zach Evans, Kendra Miller and now Trey Sanders playing football for them. If it comes together the way I think it's going to come together, we're really going to be into watching Trey Sanders play some football because it's not just him. Remember, it's Chandler Morris. It's Tommy Brockemeyer on that line. It's JoJo Earl out in routes. It's Jordan Hudson out in routes. 
along with Savion Williams. Really, really excited to see what Trey Sanders is able to do at Texas Christian. And the last player to mention for me, my goodness, P.J. Adabari might be the best-kept secret in the Big 12. Now, it shouldn't be a secret because he's a five-star player, but you get what I'm saying here. Now, on December 8th, 2021, Adabari was ranked 393rd in the 247 Sports Composite. By August 16th, 2022, he was a five-star recruit. This dude is six foot four. 240 pounds, got a seven-foot wingspan, and did not start playing football until eighth grade, didn't start playing defensive line until his junior year. Now, I'm calling him a linebacker, but he's an edge guy, right? Rush, rush in. Stand up and go kill people. That's that's your job, right? Stand up, get around the tackle, go put people on the ground, right? Pat the dirt, son. Pat the dirt. Okay. On top of that, we're talking about a guy that I believe can develop into the destroyer of worlds that Brent Venables has seemingly produced at every level, okay? Going back to Clemson, we can talk about Isaiah Simmons, right? We also can talk about Cleveland Farrell, Austin Bryant. Man, look, we can talk about Christian Wilkins forever and ever and ever, amen. And with Todd Bates there, I'm really excited to see what these guys can do. Now, Miguel Chavis is coaching the defensive ends, and I get that, but between all these coaches that I know from, that know from football, having a guy with this sort of ability on a defense that, frankly, needs all the help it can get means that they've got guys on the edge and in the interior that I think can help them, and that is going to be the point. Danny Stutzman is going to be able to do what he can do at linebacker. I think they're going to be just fine at safety. I think they're going to be pretty great, if not extremely experienced at corner, Jaden Davis and Woody Washington. I think the defense might be able to do something this year, guys. And if they can do that, like Oklahoma can make a Big 12 championship on its way out the door to the SEC. And please, please, Oklahoma, it's me, Dexter, looking at the mural going stunt on these fools, please. Last year was tough. Last year, Tulsa, Oklahoma is not Oklahoma territory. It's Oklahoma State territory. So I got to hear from everybody. I went to go talk to a group at a high school in Sand Springs. And I got to tell you, I asked how many OU fans in there? Two. How many Oklahoma State fans? Almost all of them, okay? Like, that's where I'm at. And everybody gives me a pass when I'm in those sorts of positions, but they get their licks in, too. So, RJ, how you feel about that losing record? Yeah, you ain't seen a losing record in the 21st century. Yeah, I know, I know. All right. That is why I'm very excited to see a guy like PJ at Oklahoma, and that is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. On the way out, I want to say I'm grateful to see Alan Trimble inducted into the National High School Football Hall of Fame. And I'm also really excited to see that legacy continue. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Kyle Holly, who's getting helps on the ones and twos with our intern, Michael and Gabe Gross-Sable. I also, man, my guy, my guy, Javion Duncan, stays on it with social media. That's why I call him the social media maven. Our production assistant is Kiara Santana. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all next week. Deuces.